Well, good morning, church. Uh, welcome to Church 214. As Chris said, we are in the end of our sleeper cell series, and I am excited to be able to wrap everything up today. Is uh, Have you guys enjoyed the series so far as much as I have? I've really enjoyed it. Yeah, it's been a great, great series. And, and last week, I was super bummed. Um, Heidi and I were out of town for a couple days, and we had to miss last week. And uh, Ryan Anderson spoke, and um, I was able to catch the podcast on uh, a way a way back uh, from Chicago. And uh, Ryan, I meant to text you. I think you're out there, Ryan. I meant to text you this week and tell you incredible job, man. It was it was really really good. And and um, I mean this in the in the most sincere way. Like I was just impressed. Um, and we were we, myself and a coworker were coming back, and and uh, so much so that that even he he remarked. He said, "Man, that was that was really good." And so, great job. And so, um, in case you've missed part of this series, we're in a series called Sleeper Cell. Uh, it's been about uh, five weeks or so. We had a Sela in there. And uh, in case you missed it, the idea here is that we want to, we're, we're talking about activating our faith. You know, that we can no longer afford to be asleep and that we must wake up to the spiritual world that's happening around us. And so uh, Chris kicked off the series a few weeks ago. Um, he had shared just as a reminder that we are, in fact, in a battle, and that we are in a battle, not a physical battle, not a battle between you and I, but a, a spiritual battle, a battle of the things unseen, and that we need to remember that, and we need to um, go into every day remembering that, and that um, he had shared, and he, he, he says this somewhat often, but I just love it. He says, we're not fighting for victory, but we're fighting from victory, and it's so good. And then the following week, Heidi preached, and she uh, reminded us that we have but one life to live and one story to tell, and she shared the story of the late Billy Graham. He had just passed that week, and she just shared what an incredible man of God that he was and how he um, weekly had the opportunity to share the gospel daily, I'm sure, but regardless, he, he was a man, he was a legend in his own time, and yet he always took the opportunity to always point the attention back to Jesus. And then in week three, um, Isaac Schaefer shared, and I loved his analogy. He shared an analogy of a, a sleeper agent, a, a, a person, a man that just kind of spins this mundane, ordinary life, nothing unusual, nothing um, to report, so to speak, and then he gets the call. He gets the call to be activated, and he used that analogy that that's how we are, that we're getting that call from God and that we need to be activated in our faith and that we need to remember who we are and that we are not to be fearful of what lies ahead. And then, as I mentioned, Ryan spoke last week, and he shared that um, there are seasons of our life that might be dead or dying. They might appear to be asleep and that um, Jesus is in the business of bringing dead things back to life. Jesus is in the business of bringing things that appear to be dead or asleep back to life, that we simply need to um, lay ourselves at the feet of Jesus and that he is the one that can restore those things. So, man, it has been, it's been a great series, some incredible messages. And then today, as I mentioned, I'm going to wrap up. And today is going to be, it's going to be a challenge, guys. I don't know if you're ready for a challenge. Is anybody ready for a challenge? Before you, no, before you say you're ready for, are you ready for a challenge? Okay, good, good. Well, before, before we get going too much further, we should probably pray. Will you bow your heads with me? 
Father God, you are a good, good God. Your creation testifies to your goodness and to your glory. You have left your fingerprints over all of creation, from the smallest particles to the expansive vistas of the universe, you have signed your name as the creator and true author of everything around us. You are greater than we can possibly ever imagine. Your word says that your ways are not our ways and that your thoughts are not our thoughts. And yet, even so, you have given us a heart that beats in alignment with you so that what our brains cannot understand, our hearts do. Lord, help us to see the world as you see the world. Help us to see others as you see others. Lord, and most importantly, Lord, that we would have a spirit of praise in our hearts, that our souls would be awakened today, that our souls would be awakened to take place amongst the creation all around us, worshiping you. And may your spirit be in this place this morning, Lord. Lord, not just in this place, but in the hearts of everyone here. Jesus, we love you. Lord, we thank you for everything that you have done for us. In your name we pray. Amen. Well, before I get uh, too deep into this, I wanted to share a story with you. So um, when I look at my wife, I see a lot of things. I could go a lot of different ways, couldn't it? When I look at my wife, I see a loving and compassionate woman. She is fiercely intelligent. She is absolutely the hardest worker I have ever met. She has an unrelenting love for others and a commitment for doing everything that she does with a humble heart. She is truly a Proverbs 31 woman, if there ever was one. On the outside, she's physically strong. I often tease that um, if she was bigger than I would, that she would probably beat me up because her pain tolerance is definitely higher than mine. And she's physically beautiful. And the cherry on top is that she's bold. She is a confident, bold woman, not ever afraid of backing down from a difficult conversation. And if you've known Heidi for more than about 10 seconds, you absolutely know that to be true. And so it, it shouldn't surprise me that shortly after we got married, just a few months later, she came to me and she said, "Hun, I want to learn how to hunt. And so as someone who isn't afraid of backing down from a challenge, it shouldn't have surprised me that she said that. But I should share with you that not only did she want to learn to hunt, that she wanted to learn to bow hunt, which is, in my opinion is arguably two of the most difficult things you can do. Hunting in itself has a, a high barrier of entry. If you don't know somebody that currently hunts, it's really pretty difficult to get into it. And then to layer on top of that archery and combining the two, she had set her mark high. And so, of course, I was happy to oblige, so we bought her a bow and we spent the summer um, teaching her me trying to impart in her uh, uh, basically a lifetime knowledge of, of archery and hunting in just a few short months. And she was diligent about it, and she picked up quickly. And by the time the summer was over, she had mastered the discipline definitely well enough to be able to go out into the woods. And so we simply needed to wait for October to roll around. And as October rolled around, we were simply waiting for opening day, and for the uninitiated, in case you don't know, um, you have to wake up 
painfully early to go deer hunting. In the early season, kind of when the season starts, you might have to wake up as early as 4.30. As the season rolls on and the sun starts to come up a little bit earlier and earlier, and then we have the time change, it might mean waking up at about 2.30 or 3, which is definitely not in Heidi's wheelhouse. <laughs> but nonetheless, opening morning rolled around, and we got in the car, we drove, we got to where we were going to go, we got out, we got all of our gear on, we grabbed our kit, we grabbed our lights, we grabbed our bows, and we headed deep into the timber while it was still quite dark. And by the time we got to the base of our tree, it was still pitch black out, and we looked up, and our perch was about 20 feet up in the canopy. And so we climbed up, we got situated, hung all of our gear, turned off our headlamps, and waited. And you see, this is when the magic happens. What you probably don't realize, many people don't realize, is that the woods are a magical place at sunrise. The transformation that takes place as the sun comes up and changes the world from dark to light is something that I wish everyone could experience at least once in their life. It is an addicting show, spectacular in a way that you simply have to experience to be able to appreciate. You see, at first, as I mentioned, it is pitch black out. You're out in the country, far away from the city lights. And while you're sitting there, you're going to see a moon like you have never seen a moon before. You will see shooting stars streak across the sky, and you will see a backdrop of billions of flickering lights, each a miracle in their own right, some of them larger than our entire solar system. It's hard to comprehend. And yet, as you're looking at it, to your human eye, it appears to be nothing more than a scattering of dust across the night sky. And as you sit there, watching the night sky, watching this intergalactic motion picture, so to speak, you can't help but try to catch your breath. The scriptures tell us that all of this was simply breathed into existence. The Lord merely spoke, and the heavens were created. He breathed the word, and all of the stars were born, billions upon billions upon billions of stars. It's truly impossible to even comprehend. And while you're taking in this breathtaking vista of the night sky and all of its grandeur and beauty, you begin to hear a symphony of sound. At first, you're going to hear the chilling yelps of coyotes as they howl off in the distance, as they make their final goodnight song to the world. It's something you truly can't understand. You don't understand the song or the lyrics that they're singing, but somehow deep in your soul you understand the one that they're singing to. Then almost on cue, the hoot owls will fire off a few deep hoots before they head deep into the timber for their roost for the day. And what sounds like a cacophony of scattered noises across the landscape soon takes on a beautiful form that is, like I said, best described as a symphony, a chaotic mishmash of individual, individual instruments slowly turning into an orchestrated symphony of sound. And ever so slowly, out on the horizon, you will see the first signs of a new day. The sun, long before it actually makes its appearance on the horizon, will start to push back the night, casting a glow over everything and lighting up the night. 
and lighting up the darkness all around us. And as the light makes its way throughout the woods, as I mentioned, you start to hear this symphony take place. The first, the string section chimes in, the yellow finches and the sparrows, followed by the cardinals and the robins. And eventually, the bass section chimes in, the bass or the morning doves, with their melancholy hoot throughout the morning. And lastly, the tree frogs and the woodpeckers with their rhythmic drumming that they add to the morning hum. And by now, the sun is making its last push up over the horizon. And the horn section chimes in. As turkeys on a distant ridge fire off, you squint to see where they're coming from, but you can barely see them because the light is blinding as it comes through the treetops, illuminating everything and casting off the darkness, leaving no hint of a shadow anywhere. And all of this is being orchestrated by the maestro. Each section of the symphony creating its own sound at just the right moment, all at the instructions of the conductor. And as that sun makes its way up, the chipmunks and the squirrels make their way out of their burrows to warm themselves on the tree limbs, soaking up the warmth of the sun as the crows make their way out, doing what only crows know how to do, which is her entire woods. And then it happens. The sun has officially made its way up over the treetops and it strikes you straight in the face. And it's like a sun you have never experienced before. This is not the same sun that you feel while you're working in the backyard or while you're laying around at the pool. It is different somehow, a different version of the sun, a sun that makes every hair on your body stand up and every goosebump pop up from your feet to your neck. And it's the type of sun that you can't help but look away, but this involuntary involuntary grin adorns your face as you close your eyes and take in all of it. And it's pure magic. Not magic in a David Blaine or Chris Angel type of way, but magic in the sense of a grand mystery being unfurled right in front of you, like a gift that you can barely understand, yet it feels like that feeling you get when you come home from being gone for a long time. After not seeing anything that morning, we got in the car and headed home. Heidi turned to me and she said, this isn't about hunting, is it? She said, this is not about just being in the woods. This is about something so much more. This is a spiritual experience, isn't it? She says, I have never in my life of 21 years known that the woods are so loud at sunrise. She said, I have never seen a sunrise as beautiful as I saw this morning. She looked at me and she said, I get it. I never knew. And she is completely right. For me, the hunt is but a small portion of why I spend time in the out of doors. A greater portion is to be in God's creation. To be not only in his creation, but to be in a place where I know my place within his creation. An opportunity to reset, recalibrate, and have a front row seat to everything that God has done. For the same God who calls out the stars by name, 
who separated the light from darkness, who placed the sun and the moon in the sky, who gave song to all the birds, to get, who gave color to all of the landscapes around us, is the same God who desperately loves us and desperately wants a relationship with us. A God who gave it all up to come to earth to pursue us so that we would have the opportunity to know the author of all creation. The picture I'm trying to paint here and the point of this story is, is that all of creation, everything around us from the stars to the sun to the moon to the mountains to the smallest birds have been purpose built for one thing and one thing only to praise the name of God, to praise the name of God, to testify through their song, through their beauty, through their mystery, through their grandness of design, of his faithfulness and of his goodness. In Psalms, it tells us that all of the heavens will praise his great wonders and that the angels will praise him for his faithfulness. And yet, as all of creation around us is Lifting up God in praise, many of us are missing the opportunity to take our part in the praise. All of creation is pointing to its author and its creator, lifting high his name from everywhere, shouting a deafening chorus of applause, approval, and appreciation to its creator. And somehow, many of us are missing out. You see, God desires our praise we were specifically made to praise him sing to god sing in praise of his name extol him who rides on the clouds rejoice before him for his name is the lord we have been prescribed to praise god god requires our praise not because it's a demand or a commandment but because if you know who god is you can't help but to praise him. All of the scriptures are pointing us to praising God. In Jeremiah, the scriptures say, sing to the Lord, praise his name. And Isaiah says, I will tell of the Lord's unfailing love, and I will praise him for all he has done. In Psalms 150, it says, praise the Lord. Praise God in his sanctuary. Praise him in his mighty heaven. Praise him for his mighty works. Praise his unequaled greatness. Praise him with a blast of a ram's horn and praise him with a lyre and a harp. I should pause here for a second. As I was reading this, um, it occurred to me, honey, I don't have a ram's horn and I need a ram's horn. And so therefore, in the spirit of supporting Phil and this worship team moving forward next year, I officially announced my trip to get a ram's horn so that we can adhere to the scriptures. <laughs> Secondly, as I was reading this, I did not know what a lyre was. I had to look that up. By the way, it is a small harp, no biggie really. But it did occur to me that like, like what Cupid used, right? So Cupid uses a bow, Cupid's using a harp, Cupid's a stud. He's a romantic. He's, I'm really a modern-day Cupid, is what I'm saying. He does wear a diaper. You're right. I don't wear a diaper. 
praise him with a tambourine and dancing. Dancing? We can't dance in church. What, what's going on here? Praise him with strings and flutes. Praise him with a clash of cymbals. Praise him with loud, clanging cymbals. Let everything that breathes sing praises to the Lord. Sometimes, on occasion, we will get criticisms of how loud the music cares, Church 214. Actually, we'll take that back. We won't call them criticisms. We'll call them commentary. And there's really two reasons why we do that. The first, the most important reason, is because I am a terrible singer. Awful. Like, really, really, really bad. And so, in order for Phil and the band not to be taken off of their cue, Phil jacks the volume way up so he doesn't have to listen to my cat scratches down here on the front row. It's really bad. <laughs> Secondly, though, we have here a blueprint of how we should worship. Now, hear me. I'm not taking away from the fact that there is absolutely a time and a place for quiet meditation. There is absolutely a time and place for reflection. There is absolutely a time and a place to just be in God's presence. But there is also a time and a place to worship God by the way that he has prescribed for us here. Is he truly worthy of our praise? Because if he is, this is not praise. <laughs> Looking at your phone during worship is not praise. Quietly thinking about what you have to do this week is not praise. This is praise. Dancing. Can we dance in church? Thank you. Can we move? Man, I, I have some authority on this, you guys. Like, like many of you, I probably grew up in a very conservative church. And the, like, if there was a person in church, the church that I grew up in, man, if somebody raised their hand, like the whole church was like, what? What is going on? What's that person doing? Do they have a question? And yet... So many of us, man, we will go home during football season. We will go home during March Madness, and we will freak out over a sporting team. They don't know you. They don't care about you. And yet the creator of the universe knows your name, and you act like you are bored to death to be in church. Man, I'm telling you, I have authority because I've been there. I have been there. I have been the person that was like, man, I ain't moving. I'm not going to move my hips. I am the whitest person in this room, y'all. <laughs> Hands down. You want to argue with me? Come up here. Prove me wrong. I can't sing. I can't dance. I can barely clap in rhythm. Man, we have to start acting like we serve the God who created the entire universe. We have to start acting and praising his name like we truly believe this stuff. Don't be embarrassed about what the person next to you is doing. They're probably embarrassed what you're thinking of them. God desperately wants our praise. Not because he needs it, you guys 
but because he knows that a heart that praises him is a heart that is hearing from him. A heart that praises him daily is in communion with him. If you have your Bibles, do me a favor, let's turn to Psalm 19. To give you a little context before we dive in here. Psalm 19, written by David. And it's a psalm showing to us the glory of God in the natural world around us. That the entirety of the universe speaks to his profound love for us. And that we simply need to open our eyes to see it and appreciate it. C.S. Lewis wrote of Psalm 19, I take this to be the greatest poem in the Psalter and one of the greatest lyrics in all the world. Man, that's a pretty good review. And so in verse 1 it says, The heavens proclaim the glory of God. The skies display his craftsmanship. Day after day they continue to speak. And night after night they make him known. They speak without a word. And their voice is never heard. What he's saying here is, is that by their mere presence, they are proclaiming the glory of God. And yet their message has gone throughout the earth and their words to all the world. David looked to the heavens in this verse, and he's basically saying, or he is saying here, that you simply need to look around to see the majesty of God in our, in our daily life. Through the blue sky and the night sky, you can see the glory of God. In the blue sky, you can see the sun and the clouds and the beauty of the sunrises and sunsets. In the night sky, you can see the moon. In the, in the starry sky, you can see distant galaxies. All of this speak to God's greatness and grandeur. Their size, their awe, are all pointing to God. David says, the God who created all of this is glorious, and his evidence, and this is evidence of his glory. He is glorious in his size for having created something so big. Man, we're still trying to measure the bigness of his creation. We haven't even, they, scientists think that we aren't, we aren't even close to understanding the bigness of the universe. The glorious, glorious, gloriousness of his engineering, having created something that works so well together. The gloriousness of his artistry, having created something so beautiful. And the gloriousness of his goodness and kindness, having created something specifically for us. David is drawing us to attention to the majesty of God. And the Apostle Paul echoes this in Romans 1.20. Driving point the home now in the New Testament that God reveals himself through all of creation. Paul writes, For ever since the world was created, people have seen the earth and the sky. Through everything God made, they can clearly see his invisible qualities, his eternal power and divine nature, so that they have no excuse for not knowing God. Everything and everyone has been made to praise God. From the birds to the rocks to the distant stars, everything has been made to declare God's greatness. And yet, so often, many of us are missing the opportunity to praise his name. 
we fail to take our place in the creation chorus that is going on around us every day? Are we muddled in our problems? Are we jaded? Are we so offbeat with what God's doing that we can't even come to church on Sunday mornings and praise his name in a way that reflects his glory? Are we spiritually asleep? Or have we allowed ourselves to have a slumber overtake our souls that we can't even wake to the sound of creation around us? As the people of God, we must find our voices. We must find our song. We must position ourselves in a posture of praise and take our place in the symphony that is happening around us. Praising God is the consummation of joy. What do I mean by that? This might seem somewhat counterintuitive, but the smaller we make ourselves, the more insignificant we make ourselves, and the greater that we make God, the more joyful our hearts are. John Piper wrote, Joy is not, it, joy is not in thinking highly of ourselves. Joy reaches its heights in the moments of self-forgetfulness, in the presence of beauty and greatness. The more we forget ourselves and the more we lift high the name of God, the more we will experience joy in our lives. Think about it this way. How many, do we have, who wants to admit to being madly in that like new couple in love season? We got anybody here like that? We got any older couples that are? Right? Well, as older couples that are, go back to the day when you first met your spouse, right? You remember, you remember what you were? You were obnoxious. You never shut up about the other person. You are always talking about the other person. We all do it, right? That, those new, like, lovebirds, nobody wants to be around them because they're always sappy and syrupy and touching each other and being weird about stuff. But the reason is, is because they're in love and they can't help but project it. Man, if you're in love with God, it should come out of you in everything that you do. You should not be able to hold back your joy. You should not be able to, to keep from telling others about the love that's in your heart. I think that we delight to praise what we enjoy because the praise is not merely an expression but it completes the enjoyment let me say that again i i believe that we delight to praise in what we enjoy because the praise is not merely an expression but it completes the enjoyment it is not out of a compliment that lovers continually tell each other, I love you, or how beautiful that they are. The delight is incomplete until it is expressed to that other person. Psalm 100, make a joyful noise to the Lord, all the earth. Enter his gates with thanksgiving and his courts with praise. Give thanks to him. Bless his name. God has made all things to glorify him. All of creation is glorifying him every day. 
It says all nature sings to Christ, our King. Like the very rocks crying out to the Lord, singing his praises, even the meanest and ugliest looking creatures on earth can sing the praise to Lord, to, the, to our Lord. Think of it this way. Even frogs who are gross and nobody really wants to hang out with them, their, their song that God has given them is a croak, kind of a prolonged burp. <laughs> and yet, even the frogs can praise the Lord. Even they have a song that they lift high to the Creator. And so maybe you are like me when it comes to praise and worship. Maybe you can't sing. Maybe you're ugly. I don't know. <laughs> maybe you view yourself as small and despised, but even you can sing out to the Lord with your croak. Even you can lift your voice. Let everything that has breath praise the Lord. God has created everything around us from the smallest particles to the breathtaking expanses of the universe, and it is all here to testify to how big he is. And not only that, it's here to point us all back to him. It is in his glory and his splendor that all of creation cannot help itself but to lift him high. God desires our praise more than anything else. The rocks, the mountains, the birds, and all of the animals of earth are compelled to worship him, but we have been given a choice. We have free will, and so therefore we can choose on Sunday morning or any day. I would challenge you that every day should be a day to praise the Lord. If you can't sing like I can't sing, man, get in your car by yourself, turn the music up as loud as you possibly can, and go to town. Everything was made to praise him. But we have been given the choice. And because we have a choice, our praise is so much sweeter than creation's because they do not have a choice. For when we praise him out of desire and not compulsion, our praise is louder than all of the rest of creation combined. Lifting high his name for the one who spoke the universe into existence, the one who separated light from darkness, the one who has created everything that we see and hear and taste, the one who is love and the one who sent love. Would you do me a favor? Would you, everybody stand up. In a moment, we're going to close and worship. But as I said early on in the message, today is a challenge. I have a few questions. Can we worship in this place like we have never worshiped before? Can we leave the pride and trouble and the fear of what other men or women might think of us and lay it at the feet of Jesus? Can we lift our hands and bow our heads and move our feet like the psalmist has instructed us to? Can we take our place in the chorus of creation all around us that is worshiping God? Can we shout? Can we sing until our voices give out? Can we do that? 
Can we push back the darkness with a beautiful song to the Lord? Can we take new ground by praising his name? Church, can we wake up? Can we activate our souls with a spirit of worship and praise? And can we act like the people of God that we are? Can we make Peoria known as a place that worships God? Not for our sake, but for his. Let's pray. Father, our hearts are desperate to praise your name, to lift you high, to sing until your voice gives out. Till we can't sing any longer, and even then our hearts will praise you with all the rest of creation. Like drummer boys heading into battle, Lord, we need a rhythmic praise in our hearts where every day we wake and we praise your name. Hearts of appreciation, hearts of devotion, hearts of celebration. Father God, while we were lost, you sent your son for us. In the darkness, you sent Jesus to rescue us. Lord, when we were still lost, far from you, desperate for an answer, you came. And like the sun at the dawn of a new day that warms our face, the promise of your love and mercy engulfing us. From the small chirps of birds to the flickering light of a distant galaxy, you have created it all. And all of creation praises your name. God, our prayer today is let us be a people that praises your name with all of creation. Let us be a people that takes our place in the symphony of creation that you have created. The heavens and the earth all together praising your name and your name alone, lifting you higher and higher along with all the heavenly hosts, along with the distant galaxies, along with all of creation, and along with all of your sons and your daughters. May our voices praise your name until they give out. In your name, amen.